Welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from the movies, TV, entertainment, and sometimes science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is the Dungeons and Dragons talk. I am your host, Austin, and with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda. Wild yet elusive Jekka, the rambunctious Bob, Hello. and Burn Brady Burn. Greetings, mortals. Folks, thanks so much for joining us. Now, originally our plan, you, actually real quick, can you hear the neighbor's dog barking in the background? I cannot. Oh, perfect, because it is super loud. But anyways, <laughs> um, originally we were going to play D&D, but due to some unforeseen circumstances, we've had to postpone playing. We might end up still playing on the podcast, but it won't be tonight. And I'm actually okay with that, because we are going to talk Dungeons & Dungeons. I mean, we're, we're talking... We're talking like the 1980s satanic panic. We're talking playing the game as both players and DMs, our favorite stories. It's going to be a lot of fun as we, we talk D&D, but that's not the only thing we're talking about because we're going to be talking the first images of Lady Gaga in full Harley Quinn getup for Joker 2. Guess what? Diego Luna is talking season two of Andor. And in addition to that, We've got the official synopsis for X-Men 97, the the return of the original cartoon TV series, and a whole lot more. So make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button, because we would love to nerd out with you each and every week. And if you've already hit that podcast subscribe button, you know what I'm going to say to you. Plus 10 Nerd XP. Nerd XP. We love you guys. And for everyone else, as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button, you too can start earning Nerd XP. Nerd XP. But in the meantime, check it. What's nerdy with you? Um, so <laughs> I did probably what was not a wise decision being okay. a poor starving graduate student. But in my defense, this is like I had my tax returns. Okay, I did, got my tax returns back and I spent them on the Lord of the Rings Rivendell Lego set. And that's coming on Tuesday. And I am so excited. <laughs> Very appropriate. I look forward to seeing it once you get it. Yeah, Proud I'm so excited. Like, it's over 6,000 pieces. Whoa. And, <laughs> like, I've had a lot of Lego sets in my life, and it is the most expensive and largest Lego set I've ever gotten, either as a gift or bought myself. So I'm, like, so stoked. I'm trying to look it up. Lord yeah. of the Rings, oh, Rivendale. Yeah, I was doing Oh, wow. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. And, and it's a month's worth of rent. <laughs> so that's what I threw away. Wow. Yeah. Knowing yeah. Lego. Yeah. Like, my one consolation wow. is that because I spent so much money on it, I get a free little Easter Lego set. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, 15 mini, mini figurines. Like, I'm like. 6,167 pieces. Yeah, I'm so excited. That is insanely intricate and cool. Yeah, it is cool. Um, you know, there was, I, I remember we talked about this on the podcast, like D&D uh, and Lego had teamed up so that way people could create like, um, you know, fantasy housing and things like that that they can actually use in their D&D games. <laughs> and this is like something that you could use right here. It, yeah. it, it looks perfect. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Because I'm still in the, 
like I think my field work's starting to wind down. I don't know. Oh. Like I, I keep saying that, and then the frogs and salamanders are like, "Nope, here's more egg masses for you to survey." Uh, yeah. It's like, please stop. I want to be done going to these ponds. So this is my, <laughs> you're super stressed out, but it's okay. Reward. <laughs> yes, that's gonna be awesome. It'll, it'll take your mind off uh, off of everything for a while. That's yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right, Brady, what's nerdy with you? Um, I don't know if you guys, if I've ever mentioned this or not, but my boys are in Scouts. Oh, I don't know what? If I've ever mentioned that once or twice. Congratulations. <laughs> That's news no, I, to me. We actually, you know, I've just been really busy with work and everything, but um, I will say we went to a scouting district uh, um, awards picnic, and I was awarded, um, I was honored with an award that they give for the district. They can only give two of these in a year, and it's uh, an, a, dis- a district award of merit. I got like a certificate and like a little patch for my adult nice. uniform. and like a cool plaque. And, nice. Uh, anyway, I, you know, like I mentioned before, I'm not one for like, um, I don't really do like, like I, public recognition and that kind of stuff. That's no big deal to me. Kudos like that. As long as, a, as long as I do a good job, I'm, I'm happy. So it, it was a big honor and unexpected that I did that or that, that, that they awarded me with that. So yeah, it was very cool. So, um, I don't really have a lot of n- other nerdy stuff to talk about that aside from what we're going to discuss in D and D, um, <laughs> it'll be a lot of because, fun because, uh, because yeah, it's just been busy. I worked till midnight, like three nights this week, mm. and blah, 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 you know, but, uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a really high point for the, uh, for the weekend was just attending that awards banquet and getting that, uh, award. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. All right, Bob, what's nerdy with you, man? Oh, you got to turn off your All right. Sorry about that. I, uh, I was sick the past couple of weeks, so I've uh, been making sure that I stay muted when I'm not talking. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, as anybody who uh, plays PC games knows, uh, the Steam Spring Sale is on. So I splurged just a little bit and filled out some of the gaps in my library and uh, got some uh, got some good gems, like the entirety of the uh, Wolfenstein Alt History series. Mm. I don't know if anybody knows about Wolfenstein. Yes. One of uh, one of my favorites, Wolfenstein 3D, was one of the first games I ever played, followed directly by Doom. Yeah. Um, and I also got, uh, you know, when filled out the, the holes in my Half-Life uh, series, because I guess I was the one person who doesn't own Half-Life. Wow. Yeah, that was good. Gotta What's get those portals working for you. What's that? Gotta get those portals working for you. Oh, yes. I, I'm only halfway through Portal 2. I'm stuck on one level. I can't seem yeah. to figure it out. Bob, since you're an id software fan, I want to mention something to you. And it's kind of a personal thing, but worthy of me mentioning it now because I'll forget later. Bob um, bought the Doom. Uh, which Doom was it? Uh, the cases you sent me? Uh, it was the the new Doom. It yeah. was uh, Doom Eternal. I Doom Eternal. The disc yeah. Yeah, Bob sent me that because uh, one of the fellow dads in our scout troop is a programmer on that. He works at Id Software here in Dallas. Oh, really? And, he, and they have started going back to the office. So I talked to him, and I will be bringing him that box so you will get all the developer autographs on those, and I'll get them back That's to cool. you. That's cool. In, in, in short order, since you sent them to me about a week after the pandemic started, and they started working from home. <laughs> so Nice. Very nice. All right, Amanda, what's nerdy with you? So... Just to share some background, strep has been going around my house. We caught it back in November. We got it again in February. 
and it just rotated through family members. I have yet to get it once. I'm perfect. <laughs> so Sorry, anyway, I have, I start to have this kind of like dry throat. It just hurts a little bit. I can still live my life. Like it's, it's only slightly bothering me. So then, so my, one of my daughters, she caught it in February, went through a round of antibiotics and all of a sudden she caught it again. And I realized it was my fault. You gave it to her. I again. totally gave it to her again. Cause I didn't know I had it. So I went and I got, after she got her second, like she's on her second round of antibiotics, third in less than 12 months. I go in and I get strep checked and they're like, yep, you have strep. Here's your antibiotics. This is my second round of antibiotics. Oh my gosh. But anyway, so while I'm getting checked, they're, they're just chatting with me and the nurse practitioner comes in and she gets on the computer. She says, I'm not here. And we're like, oh, it's a ghost. Maybe we need to perform an exorcism. And we've determined that streptococcus is a demon that needs to be exercised with the Holy antibiotics. <laughs> wow. I'm just surprised that the antibiotics aren't working for you. That's no, scary. It's, <laughs> or at least it, you keep catching different strains of it. <laughs> it's actually all the same strain. What it is is oh we're, my gosh. we're If I don't catch everyone that has it at the same time, we give it back to each other. I've, oh my gosh. I've never had it at all. So... I haven't had it in years. I used to get it all the time as a child. Yeah. I never had it as a kid. Ever. Dang. Yeah, I feel I feel pretty blessed to to not I like is <laughs> on a very regular basis, Amanda and the kids get sick and I I don't get sick. But when I get sick, they don't get sick. So, yeah. Well, when you get sick, they get you sick. man cold they and get, like no, I the get, world shuts I get, down. I get appropriate cold. And <laughs> and I just require hand and foot service at all times when I'm sick. So, <laughs> anyways, I'm out in ponds. Anyways, go on. <laughs> anyways, um, we have uh, a lot of fun in store, so we need to jump into some nerd news. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, we got a little new info on Joker 2 and the first images of Lady Gaga in full Harley Quinn getup have been released. That's right. Lady Gaga was recently spotted in New York on the set of Joker Foulet et Deux. And she's looking a lot more like Harley Quinn. Is this the first time we've seen Lady Gaga sporting Harley Quinn's iconic eye makeup and diamond-patterned clothing since she was cast in the upcoming sequel? On the set, Gaga was seen amongst Gotham PD officers as well as a mob of Gotham citizens who appeared to be protesting. Many of Gotham citizens can actually be seen wearing Joker-inspired face paint and masks as well as holding signs reading Free Joker, leading us to believe that Arthur Fleck doesn't get off scot-free after what he did on the Murray Franklin show at the end of 2019's Joker, but he still has popular opinion, apparently. Well, one of the many signs spotted in the crowd 
actually indicates that maybe Harvey Dent will be involved in the sequel in some capacity. And this is one of the first times we've seen this. One of the signs reads, Dent is the clown. Now, Dent, better known as Two-Face, will he be in the film? We don't quite know, but obviously he has something to do with it. Uh, Perhaps he was the one that put Arthur Fleck behind bars. Nonetheless, we're going to have to wait until Joker 2 comes out to get the full story. But what do you think of these pictures of Lady Gaga and uh, maybe Harvey Dent in the crowd? So for Lady Gaga's, I kind of like how it looks very natural. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, it looks like something that you could wear and it just be like, whoa, that's a cool taste. You know, it's really more of like her eye makeup that is yeah. make- that's like, oh, yeah, that's Harley Quinn kind of thing. But I really like just how it's a natural get up. Like, definitely take a look at the picture. And then I admit, like, the, the photo of the crowd, I at first thought it was like some photo, like, protesting the making of the movie. I was like, wait, what's oh. going on? <laughs> <laughs> it looks so convincing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, that's cool. I And I actually, like, I mean, I like Joker, but I, Two-Face is, like, runner-up right there. Sure. And so, like, not that I'm looking forward to, like, Two-Face coming in, but the fact that they're bringing in Harvey Dent, I really like that. So, I have to say, I love her jacket. Yeah. Because if you look at the detailing of the jacket, it has the diamond pattern in the jacket. Yes, I noticed that, too. I really like that. So, basically... They just pulled Harley Quinn's iconic designs into everyday wear, and it looks absolutely amazing. And I could definitely see them making a knockoff, like, Harley Quinn clothes from this that you could buy at, like, Target. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to sound weird. Maybe this has got to be just me. Yeah, it's just you. I'm excited. So, so not only are we seeing Harley Quinn in this picture, but we're seeing Gotham PD. And I like the fact that the Gotham PD are wearing, like, the, the traditional blue police officer shirts as opposed to, like, the all-black stuff. I don't know why. That, that's just <laughs> the, the little nerd in me. So, well, it, it still has more... kind of, like, it still has a vintage look couple, yes, like, yes. it's still modern. Like, it's got a vintage look, but, you like, it's still kind of modern at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I agree. But uh, but the real reason we're talking about this is Lady Gaga's Harley Quinn, and she she looks like an in Joker universe Harley Quinn. Like she's yeah. definitely not Margot Robbie Harley Quinn. She is. She's like her own Harley Quinn. She, she's more authentic looking. Yeah. So very very interesting. So, all right, moving on. Check this out, folks. Ghostbusters 4 has added Patton Oswald and Kumail Nanjiani. Nanjiani. Yeah, Kumail Nanjiani. And more to the cast. The sequel for Ghostbusters Afterlife has started production, like we were talking about last week. But we've just learned that Patton Oswald, Kumail Nanjiani, comedians James Acaster, and Amelia Allen Lind have also joined the cast. Ghostbusters Afterlife co-writer and executive producer Gil Keenan is directing this sequel. And the working title as of right now is Ghostbusters Firehouse. So Afterlife director and co-writer Jason Reitman 
is returning, but as the writer for this sequel and as the executive producer. And Reitman has shared that the character Winston Zeddemore and Zeddemore Industries figures strongly into the future of Ghostbusters, which gives a lot of credibility to what we were talking about last week about maybe an international Ghostbusters uh, being set up. Well, the film, this film has been described as the next chapter in the Spangler family story, and it will officially be heading back to New York City, and it's also expected to take place in the Firehouse headquarters that was featured in the first two Ghostbusters film. End quote. What do you think, Brady? Yeah, so, I mean, we're just I'm, I'm just going to keep the theme going that I think everybody's feeling, and that is excitement that this is coming along. I think the addition of um, Kumail... I, th- I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, I think it the addition, isn't it? It's Kamali. Is that it? Okay. I don't know. The addition of him uh, to this cast is pretty phenomenal, but adding um, Patton Oswald, anything, it's like, uh, it's like garlic, right? Any, or butter. It's like butter. Anything you add it to, it just takes it up the next notch. Yes. Right. And, um, Patton Oswalt is is phenomenal. So to see him as part of this project uh, just gives me even more enthusiasm and, and hope for this uh, as we move forward. The, you know, the the last Ghostbusters Afterlife um, it was a, it was a good movie. I think it was yeah. you know most folks really liked it, um, and I'm I'm hoping it's not lightning in a bottle. I'm hoping that they can they can keep that train rolling um because yeah seeing all of these cast members um added uh just 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 makes it appear that it's gonna be uh so much better because now they they have that proven ground you know they had finn wolfhard and all that stuff and and you know so you had some box office draw and and just the name ghostbusters but they did that you know And, and they did it they've proven that it works so let's add these other folks that are that are phenomenal in every role they play and move it forward. And I'm, I'm excited to see it. Indeed. Jacob, were you, did you want to say something? Oh, I was just like, I was looking up who Kumail Nanjani was. And, and he's like an actor that's been like in several movies that I've seen. So I was like, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I know who that is. That, that was my whole facial expression was like, who is he? And then I was awesome. like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. He's cool too. When I saw his face, I was like, yeah, this is going to be good. He was the guy that was the the fake Jedi. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. In uh, he was the yes. fake Jedi Obi-Wan in Obi Wan. In Obi Wan, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, I don't think I don't think anybody can uh, describe it better than what you did, Brady. Like, yeah, they're Patton Oswalt, Kamal Nanjiani. They're, they're totally like you know garlic or butter. They make anything better. So yeah. I think we should leave it at that and move on. So Diego Luna is talking season two of Star Wars Andor. So everyone knew that Andor was a Star Wars series with an expiration date because it leads up to the film Star Wars Rogue One. But season two is coming in, and in a recent interview with Variety, Diego Luna explained, quote, the second season ends... The second season ends where Rogue One starts. We're not changing the end of Rogue One, so that's it. It's a nice feeling. It's like a long film. It has a beginning and an end. We all know what's going to happen. There's something interesting with the second season, which is that I have a different feeling every day I go to set. Now I know. 
not just that the series was well received and that people liked it, but I know why they liked it. That's dog. What are you doing? The dog wants to play. I don't know if you can hear him. Anyways, now I know not just that the series was well received and that people liked it, but I know why they liked it. That's another tool we have these days through social media. We actually listen to audience and audiences and critics. We understand what things connected and what didn't connect. It's kind of cool to have an opportunity to go and execute another season having this information. It's in a way a season that will end up representing the audience in a different way. Somehow the audience is part of this season because the interaction we had served as inspiration. And or season two is actually coming out later this year. So I'm excited to see how he gets K2SO. And I really love the slow burn of, of Andor. I thought, you, I thought you hated the slow burn. I recognize no, you, you didn't slow like burn. it. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm making stuff up at this moment because I'm trying to figure out what to do with the dog. He's squeaking on me. Go away, dog. All right. Okay, so, okay, so it's important to recognize that Andor is a slow burn. And honestly, so honestly, there are parts that I don't like about suspense thrillers, and slow burns tend to be part of suspense thrillers. Um, I do love that they they listen to the audience's criticisms instead of just blowing off the audience and saying, well, the audience doesn't know what they're talking about. The, we want good star Wars shows. And so when we complain about it, we want them to make it better. So I love that they listen to the critics, they listen to the audience and they're going to take it further and actually make some corrections, hopefully. But I'm just excited to really see how he, Gets the robot. K2SO, which is coming in yeah. next season. So that's really what I want to say. <laughs> I don't I don't really know how they can listen to the critics because we were more the critics. Like we didn't hate Andor, but we were we were not the audience that just like fell, you know, head over heels in love with this thing and said it was the best thing that literally literally came out of Star Wars since nineteen seventy seven. Except for Brady. I think it is absolutely the closest thing to perfection I've seen, but, seen but, from the Star Wars my, universe. My thought is I don't know how they're going to listen to the critics like Amanda and I while still maintaining what you liked about it. You know what I mean? I don't know yeah, what that no. looks like. So I don't I think, either. I think there might be more of maybe a sped up pace to it. And they could do that, but that actually helps with the build. So it felt like, to me, it felt like it was going to build up and move faster anyway in season two. And yeah, I concur with that. And so I don't see you losing interest on that because they built, they built, they were building toward that anyway. Solid foundation. Solid and, foundation for the next phase of storytelling. And, and as I said, like, I wasn't a super big fan of Andor, but at the same time, I recognized it was going somewhere. And it was a journey I was willing to go along with. I have given up on shows that I, I don't feel they are going anywhere. Like, the Wheel of Time series that it, I feel it was going where I wanted it to go, and I didn't want to well, go on that journey. <laughs> Andor wasn't my favorite, but I was willing to go on that journey with them. Mm. That's fair. That's fair. 
I'm always rooting for Star Wars, even if it's not Star Wars that I super am excited about. Uh, and that does happen every once in a while, like Star Wars Resistance, if you remember that TV show. Which yeah, I didn't people, finish that series. Few people remember that one. <laughs> I'm always rooting for Star Wars. Look, there's nothing wrong with Andor. It just... Uh, it wasn't wanna, your style of Star Wars. I want a, I want a clear storyline as much as possible. All right, let's... Oh, Brady had something to say. No, no, that's... that's I Yeah. I... I, I I don't see how it was an unclear storyline. It it nothing happened. It it was clear to me. It was, by, it, was by, Andor, by the, it was Andor becoming Andor. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. By the time you get to the very first, last thing, yeah. And okay, by the time okay, real quick. We start <laughs> we start, oh, no, we start the, no, no, no. We start the TV show with what is Andor's driving purpose in life? to find his sister. We end the series with Andor saying, I'm willing to give up everything so I can fight on the rebellion side. What? Like, there was nothing that happened between point A and point B that, like, really clarifies that, except when he went to the prison. But even then, you don't come out saying, oh, I forgot I forgot I had a sister. You, you probably say that whole time, am I ever going to see my sister again? I don't know. The yeah, way well, I interpreted that. Sorry, Brady, go on. No, go. No, you go. You go. I think we're going to say the same thing. I was going to say <laughs> how I interpreted that is like, yeah, Andor's willing to join the resistance, but probably because he sees that as a better way. Like he he is committed to the cause after everything that happens, but his sister, his concern for his sister is still there. He just knows that he'll probably have a better chance of finding her. He never resources Okay, doesn't need to. Yeah, he does. He didn't resolve the sister issue, but at the same time, he has found a bigger purpose because the woman who raised him as his mother was killed by the emperor. The the experiences those change people. She, She died of old age. She wasn't killed by the empire. She literally like died at home. They're at their house you know, get in her body and all that stuff. Would she have died the way she did eh. without the empire's influence? My Probably. point is it's not a binary choice because he chooses to commit himself to the rebellion does not mean that he abandons the search for his sister. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. And in addition to that, the, he went through some pretty traumatic events in that, in that first season. And there is still a second season coming and that sister thread is still hanging out there. So who's to say that's not going to be resolved? If that if that takes two seasons to see that subplot through, I'm okay and, with that. And, is Jyn Erso really his sister? But but let's let's be honest. Andor was not the main character of the show titled Andor. He was just a bystander that watched everybody else make major changes. I don't know. I don't know. Just we're, because we're going he was to not move the on. actor does we're not going to the, move the, on. The, the, just because he was not the person making the decisions and choices doesn't mean he wasn't the main character. Yes, it does. It makes him a side character to what others are no, doing. No. Yeah. There's something you need to watch about passive versus active if, protagonists. If, if <laughs> he, he is... The R2-D2 in C-3PO of Andor, that that the show is from his perspective, but he's not the major mover in the story. 
All right, still dude, the main character. Dude, you need to read Benjamin. Uglies. <laughs> you no, need to read no. the Uglies trilogy because it is all about that, and it's fantastic. Like that kind of handling of a main character takes a yeah. lot of finesse. Anyway, if, if if we're gonna talk, if, if, if going we're going to put no, in the last it, word, he kills him. If we're going to talk the growth of the rebellion, there have been other stories in legend that talk the growth of the rebellion, and every single one is tremendously more interesting than what happened in okay. Andor. Austin, and that's Austin, almost universal. We recognize universal. that you don't like Andor. We can move on with our lives, please. <laughs> All right, the Indiana Jones TV series for Disney Plus has been canceled. So several months ago, it was reported that Disney Plus <laughs> was looking to make an Indiana Jones spinoff series <laughs> based in the world of everyone's favorite archaeology. There were no official details on the series except that it would not involve Harrison Ford, but sources said Disney and Lucasfilm had been meeting with writers and taking pitches for possible series ideas. Well, now the ideas have stopped as the series is reportedly dead. Insider Jeff Snyder told the Hot Mike podcast that the untitled Indiana Jones spinoff series has been shelved and Disney has reportedly told Lucasfilm to instead focus on its upcoming Star Wars projects. The report comes after news dropped just not that long ago that the streamer canceled Willow and its second series. Uh, and sorry, the dog is still distracting me. <laughs> Anyways, but since then, you know, Willow showrunner, uh, John Kasdan did speak out and say that the series is not actually canceled and that they are writing season two. But will they actually do anything? We don't know. Who knows? Who knows what's going on at Disney Plus? Uh, but we might not be getting more in Indiana Jones after this next movie. So this this next movie might be like the official end of the series. Who knows? I don't know. What do you guys What do you guys think of this, Bob? I don't know, man. Uh, Harrison Ford has said in the past that he wants a character to die with him. So honestly, I'm kind of hoping that it dies with, or that the series dies with or dies yeah. with that. That said, I think uh, Disney's uh, making a great mistake and putting way too many eggs in the uh, the Marvel and Star Wars baskets, and they're gonna end up with Star Wars burnout. They already hit it once; they're gonna do it again. Uh... No, I agree with you, Bob. Like, like when I heard that, I was like, really? Because Lucasfilm has produced so many good things, and it's like just being like, oh, Star Wars is the best one rolling out. Let's focus on that. It's like, no, you got to explore the other avenues that Lucasfilm has done. And like, I think, I mean, honest, I mean, I think I'm one of the few people that has this opinion, but I like Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> And I was kind of looking forward to, like, seeing him carry on, like, be another Indiana Jones. So I was just kind of like, ooh, an Indiana Jones TV series, like, they could cool. find someone to, like, maybe not Shia LaBeouf, per se, but at least someone carry on that character of, like, Indian Indy's son and carry on like that. And I'm like, I think that would be great. Just just don't make it a Disney Channel teen flick, you know? <laughs> don't make the same mistake you made with Willow. Like, come on, let, let Lucasfilm be Lucasfilm. Don't try to, don't make it Disney. That's the thing. Disney just needs to keep their little fingers out of that stuff. I, um, it. I, 
I don't know. That's my opinion. Well, when they say focus on upcoming Star Wars, I think they're saying focus on upcoming Star Wars movies because we've not had a movie in quite some time. I think since what twenty nineteen. Oh, I guess that's a good point. But and I, I'm getting I'm getting closer to finally talking the sequel trilogy. I'm I'm feeling it. I'm I'm bringing it up more and more in conversation. I uh, sequel trilogy. No, no, the, the sequel trilogy, seven, eight, and nine. I, uh, I, so I was thinking about this today. I, I've not been one to bash Kathleen Kennedy, but if she if she was to leave in like another year or two, I think looking back, I think the Star Wars franchise is more hurt overall than when Disney first purchased it. Um, I don't, I, so, so just based on that, I, I don't know if Kathleen Kennedy has quite matched what, uh, we were hoping she would, but, and and you have to remember that George Lucas hired Kathleen Kennedy under the pretense that she would run Lucasfilm day to day, but George Lucas would still be involved creatively. He just didn't want to have to manage all the business and all the other stuff. And then when Disney said, nope. Now, all of a sudden, Kathleen Kennedy, who's known for being a producer, working the logistics, not working any creative stuff. uh, Now she's in charge of, you know, creative direction and the logistics. But she only has real, you know, background in the logistics part. And so I think in in all honesty, I think it. the turning point in which Star Wars got hurt or Lucasfilm got hurt the most is when uh, Bob Iger decided to split ways with George Lucas. So we will see. I don't we will know, see. man. I, you know, in uh, unpopular opinion time here, but I don't think George Lucas is the visionary everybody makes him out to be. Yeah, he he struck gold on the first swing with uh, with Star Wars, and uh, he wasn't really as involved with Empire and Jedi as a lot of people think. So he, he was super involved. I don't know what you're talking I mean, about. He wasn't as involved as he was with uh, uh, he, he was with the New Hope. He didn't direct. Yeah. So my my thoughts are that. Star Wars has a lot of potential for it. They just need somebody at the helm to give it clear direction rather than changing uh, changing directors every other movie. The, the difference is, is they need a creative visionary at the helm yeah. who can direct the directors. Well, And George Lucas could have done that. Well, okay, so, so you got to remember, George directed one, two, three, and four. He just the only ones he did not direct at up at the time that Lucasfilm was sold was Empire and Return of the Jedi. And uh and he and and the one thing, I mean people have people have other complaints about the prequels, but the one thing that nobody ever complains about is the the c- creative and story direction. Like we we it it felt cohesive going from one movie to another. Uh, yeah, he, I really liked the, uh, I really liked that first movie all about taxation and embargoes. That was my favorite. No, I so, okay, but that's what 
that how is that different than what Andor's doing? Like I totally I I don't even like if we're watching people sit on a couch talking politics. Okay. Once again, I don't even know. I, don't I even. think George Lucas is a great visionary for an overall <laughs> scope, but directing directors, it, I think, is w- where he really shined. And oh, then no. directors on a smaller <clears throat> scope put the story together so that way no. his vision could be presented. Austin, I'm, I'm just going to say that if you. If you play a f- any footage, for, if you play the worst footage from Andor in parallel with the best footage of Jar Jar Binks, and you can't tell me there's a difference, <laughs> and I can't trust your opinion on anything. Okay. I will point out that my kids will pick that so, Jar Jar Binks footage as better than Andor every single time. And that's that's what that's what that's what the prequels were. That's what the prequels were angled for. They were angled for yeah. children. And that's fine, but they were kids' movies. I so mean, you know, you've got C-3PO's head dancing through some kind of conveyor belt set. Yeah, that's fine. That's funny, whatever, if you're nine. So wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> I'm just no, going to no, point no, out no, it was no, an no, attempt no. Okay. to make taxation no, and okay. embargoes so, me, more entertaining. Let, let me tell you this. I'm one of the people that had no problem whatsoever with episode one, two, or three Senate politics. I had no problem with that, like, but everybody else brings it up like it's a huge issue. But I, but it was no issue to me whatsoever. I actually enjoyed it tremendously because it showed the direction that the empire was, you know, how it was forming. But, but when people, but I, I was thinking about this the other day, legitimately, like when people complain about the the Senate stuff in episodes one, two, and three, like I really don't see how they can say that was terrible, and then they go on to say, well. The politics and stuff in Andor was spectacular. It's the best thing since episode four. It's presentation. It's presentation. Because in, and and not to keep calling back to Andor, but it's a great example. And and you started it. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the 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 presentation had suspense. It had intrigue. It had strong story ties in the prequels. Like I said, if people like it, that's great. I don't understand how their synapses fire, but that's okay. And the world has different people, but it was presented in a way that was just simply abysmal. That's, that's my take on it. And, and I understand you don't feel that way. And, and there are a lot of people who don't, and that's okay. But, um, but yeah, there's no comparison. There's no comparison in the quality of storytelling, uh, even if the subject matter is the same. And, and McDermott, when he was up on the screen in episodes one, two, three in the Senate, completely and utterly matches everything from Andor. Ian McDermott is is amazing. I, I will I will hand you that on a yeah. silver platter. So. You are you are exactly right on his I, performance. Look, look, I'm I know I know all I'm doing is bashing Andor, uh, but because it's not that. But bashing Andor is not my position. My my position is I'm just confused on how one can say one is the worst thing that's ever come to star Wars. And, and then on the other end, one is the best thing that's ever, I'm just confused it's, by that. It, it the prequels are not the worst thing the to ever come thing. to star Wars because we have the sequels. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes, you we, have made your point. We have, we you have, have made your we have, point. We have found agreement. So now we will move on. The official synopsis <laughs> for X-Men 97 has been released. An official synopsis has been shared for the highly anticipated animated series, X-Men 97. The story picks up where the original X-Men cartoon series left off from the 90s. The series stars with Magneto and 
the X-Men after Professor X left for Shafar space in the original show's series finale. Shiar. As for the next chapter of the story, the synopsis reads, Storm and Wolverine try to continue the X-Men. Magneto comes in and wants to step up for Charles Xavier. Sinister, Mr. Sinister, comes in to try to end the X-Men once and for all. That's the actual synopsis. But we get a little bit more because head writer Bayou, Bayou de Mayo. Yes, confirmed that the main villain is indeed Mr. Sinister and teased that his plan is to take down the X-Men once and for all, saying, quote, a very, 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 very favorite character of mine and many others, Mr. Sinister will rear his ugly head from the past with a pretty foolproof plan to destroy the X-Men once and for all. Guys, if I pronounce it wrong, correct me. Don't just type it in. Bo. Bo. Bo de Mayo. It's Bo. P-E-A-U is Bo. Whatever. <laughs> I was for Austin, but yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm super excited. I remember when X-Men 97 ended and there was no more. And I was devastated because I absolutely, absolutely loved the show and wanted to see what happened more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's great coming show. back. I'm so excited. I think I'm most excited to see Magneto coming in and trying to lead the X-Men after all that they've done to one another. <laughs> that will be interesting to watch. But but it like it play it works like seamlessly for the character. So And this is yet another reason why Amanda I should have the X-Men arcade one up in the basement. Uh, I'm, uh yep. I'm jealous of the enthusiasm that you guys have for this X-Men project because being a little bit older, I that was kind of in a phase of my life where I wasn't really watching the cartoons at all. And I need to go back and watch them, and I haven't. So I, I don't have that nostalgic tie. I'm yeah. really excited to see this come, but I don't have that historical context. And I'm, well, I'm seeing you guys be so excited about it, I'm really jealous. I wish I did. You know? So for me... It was a mature cartoon. Yeah. It wasn't a kid's cartoon. It, it was one of the few cartoons that my brothers yeah. my sister and i we all watched together and that we could all yeah. enjoy my i remember uh my mother so i used to watch it in the kitchen uh on our tv in the kitchen and my mom would be doing something and just happened to be watching it out of the side of her you know eye and i remember like after like the first or two episodes my mom ended up like getting sucked into it and saying this is really not a kid's show like they're taking on like uh uh you know, deep, deeper themes than I've ever seen in a kid's show before. She said something. I'd say yeah. that's what I miss about '90s cartoons because the Batman anime oh, series yeah. did the same thing. They dove into deep topics. They were like not afraid to shy away, like hide it and kid, like yeah, weren't afraid to hide it from kids. They were like, "You should know about this, but we're gonna spin it in an entertaining way so that you end up thinking about it without realizing it." You know, so indeed, yeah, indeed. that was a it very big like thing that's... with the '90s. Looks like it's available on um, Disney Plus. We've been actually watching it with our kids, trying to get them finished with it, so that way when the new one comes out, my kids are ready to go. Yeah, I'm adding it to the list. Yeah, it's good. It's it's worth watching. Uh, and what's nice is it's it's like each episode is like twenty two minutes ish, so it's one of those things that you could just pop in real quick when you just happen to have some free time, and it's uh it's good. So, all right. We need to talk some Dungeons and Dragons, so let's jump into our main event. 
We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And that bell means it is time for our main event! The Dungeons and Dragons! The game of Dungeons and Dragons has been around since the early 70s, is played by an estimated 5 million people. It is also the target of a group of concerned parents in the United States who call themselves BAD, B-A-D-D, bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. The reason they are bothered is because they believe the game has been involved in a number of murders and suicides across the United States and now in Canada. At the trial of a 14-year-old boy who admitted to strangling a young Orangeville, Ontario girl and her brother, it was revealed the accused had been playing the game for 18 months, had in fact been a dungeon master of his own group for five months. Dungeon master and dwarven sword master, hobgoblins, dwarves, elves, and havelings are some of the characters and terms used in this very complicated and controversial game. We'll talk about the controversy in a moment, but first this report by Carol Jerome, who went to one of the games of the Toronto Dungeons and Dragons Club. It's a fantasy role-playing game, and it's a refined version of the pretend games we all play as kids. The books tell how to play, describing all the kinds of characters the player can be and the monsters that will be met on each imaginary adventure. Some players, like these boys, like to make up their own fantasy voyages. There's no board or pieces. It's all in the imagination. And you find six skeletons on the ground. What do you do? Daniel Green is the dungeon master who guides the play. Can I do something? Yeah, hold on. I have a of two wishes. I'm going to wish that the door opens. In this game, for uh, example, Oli plays the role of a cavalier named Fallinger Bandrask. Mike is a fighter, and Erwin is a paladin. Okay, we're going to go the other way. You're going to go the other way. Okay, let's try the other corner. Well, okay. The dungeon master takes them through a strange castle this time, and they must respond to each situation he describes according to their characters, all of whom have prescribed qualities of strength and wisdom, certain powers and magic. When they encounter dragons and other evils, the battle is decided by an intricate scoring system and by these special dice. You see what looks to be a beautiful Beautiful way to escape. You can just go straight down this corridor and go outside. I'm a walker. You're going to walk out. A black exit of the game. You have just died. You went into another multi-universe, no longer existing. It I is permanently, forever destroyed. You don't own me. Just I am? expect the same in return. I got saved my life sometimes. <laughs> He just got wiped out. It is not only the violence in the fantasies, but the quasi-religious character of the game, with mystic figures who use holy water and magic spells, all woven in arcane language like a secret society, that gives this game a special quality that captivates players and worries some others. But the boys say it's just a game for them, an exciting voyage of imagination. Not quite. What's your strength? The manufacturer makes some interesting notes on this. It warns the players not to get themselves confused with their character roles. And it says that the point of this game is not winning and it's not killing. It's having the adventure. Each player wins by having fun, says the manual. So if you can have a good time, you win. 
You can have fun even if your character gets killed. And if that happens, don't worry. You can always make up another one. For Midday, I'm Carol Jerome in Toronto. Hey, special shout out to all you super nerds who have hit the podcast subscribe button. We really, really appreciate you. Please help us get the word out. Tell a friend about the podcast. And I want to invite you to hit the podcast subscribe button if you've not done so already. Come on, do it. You'll get plus 10 nerd XP. Nerd XP. All right. Well, I, so that was a clip from the 80s about Dungeons and & Dragons. And I can tell it was triggering everybody here wanting to say something <laughs> first off i will say you know for those that did end up dying not because of dungeons and dragons you know the people that are mentioning that is, that is a sad thing but it's sad that people died but it was not because of dungeons and dragons but it's not because of dungeons and dragons indeed well all right what, what did you what you guys think of that i was just laughing with the what was the phrase? The quasi-religion with holy water and spell-making? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Did those yeah. words just come out of her mouth? Oh my gosh. There, there are many great examples, and this is another of correlation does not equal causation. Yes. <laughs> you know? the uh, I, But, I, you know, barring all of the melodram melodramatic presentation and the and the the way the news article or the news story was being told and everything. I think one of the most egregious things about that entire clip is that that kid wasted a spell, a uh, wish spell to open a door. Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but I, so, so I actually watched that video. I don't know if you put two and two together, but yes, he, he wasted a wish spell, which is like one of the most powerful spells in all of D and D. And he went and he used it to open a door. Now here's the funny thing though. I don't know if you I don't know if you put two and two together. He walked through the door and he instantly died. He was vaporized as soon as he walked through that door. And so it's alright for wasting a wish spell. Yeah, so he so he didn't even think to turn the doorknob. But well, I'm sure I'm sure he they did. They couldn't open it. But but I was just thinking, like, you know, most DMs today don't kill you so quick and easy as they used to back in the day because that, that was more of the game of you know first edition second edition back then so i'm just gonna point out this is what happens when you push kids to use spells just because they have them well so and that's an inside thing for me <laughs> i give our kids all these spells and all these potions and they never use them ever <laughs> I think that, you know, adding fuel to the fire, I don't know if you guys remember this, but in 1982, there was a movie called Mazes and Monsters. I think yes, it was for TV Tom Hanks. Movies. Tom Hanks goes, plays a game. It's D&D, &D, right? Yeah. And then he kind of goes off the rails, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, that was a product of this type of mentality, the satanic panic of the 80s, which I vividly remember I, I had one. <laughs> you guys are going to love this. So there was a pastor at my local church, and we were talking about it. And even at like nine years old, I was like, there's nothing wrong with this game. He was like, oh, yeah, well, bring all the stuff up here, and I'm going to talk to all the kids, and you can sh show us all about it and stuff. I was like, all right. So I brought my Dungeon Master's Guide, my D&D &D book, all this, my uh, uh, Player's Handbook, Monster Manual, all that stuff. Had it all set down, had the dice. And I was like, yeah, it's just like this. And I walked over there. I was like, yeah, you want to roll a character up? You just take these four dice. You discard the lowest and you roll it. And I got three sixes. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and 
was it was a nat 18 and i was sitting in front of the pastor and i rolled it out and i was look i was like look 666 oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. there's no embellishment in that that is 100 percent straight oh, up how it happened i didn't know how to react to that as a kid but, um, oh. but it was pretty funny that was so funny <laughs> he just looked at me i was like yeah there you go, eighteen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what did the minister do? You know, I don't, I, I don't. I mean, he just kind of shrugged it off, as far as I recall. I just remember that moment of looking because it was in. A, I, I still remember. I was, and it was a little box. I, I wasn't not. Maybe I was ten, um, but it was a little cardboard box. I had to roll the dice in. Yeah, and. Uh, and I rolled it out and I showed him and I just remember going, eh. and in my, he didn't really acknowledge that. Right. Oh. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, Oh, man. <laughs> okay, maybe that's not a good. Well, that was that's an easy that was an easy layup for the pastor. So yeah, it was. Yeah. That was. So, uh, yeah, my uh, my parents were all into the satanic panic, and there was really no reason for it, um, as we've already discussed. But yeah, I was at a friend's house. We we were I was spending the night, and there was a bunch of us. We're like, okay, we're gonna do some D and D. Now, my friend, he actually might be listening to this podcast. <laughs> he. Uh, you know, he and I actually talked about this just like within the last like year or two. But but he was DMing. It was one of his very first times ever DMing, and he 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 was having the hardest time trying to figure out what we should do. And so what we ended up doing was we ended up as characters sitting around a campfire in the middle of a field, and we hear some like wolves kind of around us and that was it that was the only thing we did but for whatever reason like it super captured my imagination of like oh I, i'm like i'm like in this field like a wheat field over here or whatever and it's nighttime and i can i can see the breeze going across dancing across the uh the fruit of the the field and the and and the sun or the the, the moonlight and like anyways it captured my imagination and, and then when then when i when I told him about it, like just like the last year or two, he's like, "Yeah, that was that was like one of the worst experiences for me ever. I, I could I could not figure out anything to do for you guys, but it was enough, and so that's how I became a big D and D fan." So my mom sat me down when I was in <laughs> high school. Um, I don't remember if I was a freshman or I actually I think it was a sophomore in high school, and she's like, "I'm really concerned." I want you to know the story about Dungeons and Dragons because this happened to my actual friend's friend. Her son died because of Dungeons and Dragons. Your mom said that? Oh, yeah. And she, like, used a name of her friend. And she's all like, and and because of Dungeons and Dragons, like, they went out <laughs> and he was hit by a train because that's the challenge the dungeon master had given him was to play with like this like on these train tracks and he died because of Dungeons and Dragons. Now, fortunately for me, I'd been playing role-playing games for over a year by that point. Cause my mom was not on the ball on this and I'm listening to this going, one of these games is not like the other. And I'm really sure this train game is not Dungeons and Dragons. I've played that game. Yeah. That's just, I, you know, I, I, well, I, I could go on and on about the get, satanic panic well, era. Parents, parents treated D and D back in the day like it was like cocaine or some sort of like, <laughs> yeah. like some sort of hard drug, 
and um, and 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 I don't really know why. Like the only thing, the only thing I think about is like if 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 you go back in ages, like at one point parents hated when their kids would read a book. Well, get out on the farm and do some work. You you got your nose in the books all the time, and then and then it 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 moved up to those kids have done a lot of reading and now kids watch too much tv get your get your face out of the tv and, and get it into a book and start reading more you, you know and then it's it's slowly gone up and then D D was that and then now here i am here we are as parents playing D D with kids <laughs> it's, it's it's the only thing yeah you can do. well i mean look i'm going to take a very unpopular approach just for devil's advocate sure. <laughs> yes. um uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna speak somewhat sincerely about the defense of those parents. I think all parents want what's best for their kids yes. and they all want what's safe for their children. I think that there is a, um, if, if they are getting information, that's bad information. And I think we can mm. see that in a lot of our social climate today, sure. if they're getting information that's based on bad information, but they're, and, 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 and you couldn't investigate it as easily back in, yes. in those days. You, to to want to prohibit your children from doing something or want to know what they didn't have any any curiosity about it but to want to protect them i understand that and and i i totally get it but you know in a lot of things whether it's you know the gun argument or D D or whatever the only people you really hear uh, making claims like that the loudest claims are often those that are based on the least experience with the subject matter. Yes. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's and that happened with Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, they heard something from perhaps, you know, a, uh, someone who's, um, who holds a, an extreme position on it for whatever reason. And it's just misinformation, feeding misinformation, feeding misinformation. And, and it became that satanic panic that we saw on Donahue, that we saw on Geraldo, you know, all of those things. Which make money off of that type of outrage, and I, I don't fault the parents initially for for being a bit wary, um, but certainly fault them for not getting all the information before drawing those conclusions. I, I fault my mother who gave me this sit down like ten years after the panic. Amanda's <laughs> <laughs> nice. like here, like I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm sitting over here where my parents like I D D wasn't something that I heard about until like I was in college, truth be told. And I think it was oh, just wow. like my circle of friends yeah. weren't into D D. And um and my parents like I, I if I had known we were gonna switch things i would have asked them like what their thoughts were about D because um i'll explain like where they are now with that but like i don't know like them growing up like if they ever played her and i know my mom didn't but i don't know if my dad did but they're kind of little like dive into demonic stuff in a way like that shocked some people is like they were way into rock like um mainly classic rock like rush and def leppard and van halen and all that like they liked that stuff so that's what i grew up with like grew up on sure. Um, but like my family, we've always been big into fantasy, but, and like my brother and I got really into anime, like the Japanese animation. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just remember like my mom was like fine to let us watch it. She would just kind of like, you know, ask us like what it's about, like how much violence was in it. So she was like kind of screening it, but she wasn't like 
trying to shut us off to it at the same time. Like if she would watch some of them with us and I could tell some of the things she was like, I don't know if I should be letting my kids watch this, but they're really liking it and I could see the appeal of it. So I'll just keep an eye on this, you know, but D and D, um, <laughs> yeah. And like my family itself, like we didn't start playing D and D until just like a, like within the last five or six years, truth mm-hmm. be told. And it was, um, my brother got us into it first me and then my other siblings and then it was during the pandemic when like everything was shut down and my birthday i was like i don't really know what to do for my birthday but i wanted to do something fun and unique and my brother who has dm'd before he mentioned that he had always wanted to take the game betrayal at house on the hill and do it D style so i was like please that's what i want for my birthday so like he did that and my parents they were like ooh, like they had heard us talk about D a lot and yeah. they're like, we want to try this. We want to play. So my dad, or not my dad, I say my dad because my brother made like made them character sheets. Yeah. Um. And my dad, he really likes Mission Impossible, so Chris made him a character that's like pretty much Ethan Hawke. And then we played nice. the game D and D style, and my parents loved it. They had so much fun. That's that awesome. For their birthdays, like I gave them D and D dice, so they have their nice. own set of dice because they loved it so much. They thought it was so fun, but like. My parents are kind of like that. Like, they are way into that stuff. So I could see, like, you know, if D&D crossed their path, they, like, they probably would have, if they had it when they were younger, they would have raised us on it. So I, I have to share with you, Jekka, because you brought up anime. Um, yeah. Is I was hugely into anime when I was when I was a teenager and my 20s. And my sister, because I liked anime, she hated it. And she told me she would never let her kids watch it. They were never going to do anything with it. And it was her, like, D&D is satanic because my sister enjoys it. Um, (laughs) It was her version of it. And and the best revenge I have now is my sister's addicted to Pokemon Go. And all of her kids are hugely (laughs) into it. That's anime. She's she's like, yeah, I like anime now. Yeah, yeah. so funny. I, I don't know what edition of D and D you guys started with, but the first time when I when Time's I started, they had they had A D and D, or they didn't have A D and D. They had D and D Basic yep. and D and D Expert, and yep. we started with Expert because why do Basic, right? And uh, I gotta say, you know, it was much more. It was much more heavy as far as calculating everything and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you had to calculate Thaco and armor classes. Yes. Thank you. Negative 10 to 10. Thank Thaco. you for bringing up Thaco. Because I was, I was, was going to bring that up too. I do you had to do a lot of my terrors. You had to do a lot of reading. And if it weren't for D&D, like Expert and AD&D, which was second edition, I, I'd be dumb as a rock. Yes, I mean, <laughs> my vocabulary would be that of a seven-year-old, and I wouldn't be able to add two and two. I mean, it yes. really—it was a highly educational tool, um, and it fostered your own sense of learning. Because, yeah, I don't—I I don't want to go to school and learn this, but you know what I do want to do? I do want to figure out what I need to hit that beholder. Yes. Okay. And yeah. that's going to feed solving. my. Yeah. Yes. I, so that's what sucked me into D&D was the problem solving. And like you roll the dice, it goes right. It goes wrong. And when it yeah. goes wrong, it's like, what do you do? And okay, I so, love that about it. Sorry. Go on, Austin. Yeah. No, no, no. no. You, you got me excited, Brady. Um, yeah. So I, so I started on second edition, a, a D&D as a player. And I didn't start DMing until third edition. And um, 
what was so funny though is you you hit it right on the nose like D taught you some real life skills that you didn't know that you were learning as you're playing the game and and math since you brought that up uh when i went to the military entrance processing station and i took what's called the ASVAB, which is basically like the army's way of trying to figure out what your personal strengths and weaknesses are. When the, uh, when the math portion came in, like they're giving you all of these problems and, and it's like addition, subtraction, multiplication, you know, just a bunch of different stuff. And they, and you're doing it as fast as you can, but because I've been playing D and D and star Wars role-playing game, because I did a lot of that too. Um, I was so quick at doing everything that like almost literally like within like, like, like a half a second of the screen changing and giving me a new problem. I was like, you know, just type it in all the different numbers. And I was like speeding deeming my way through it. And, and I remember when I, when we finally got the results back, like, uh, my, my math score was so, was so high (laughs) that I remember my recruiter saying, Dang, I've never seen anybody with a score this high before. And why? It was solely because of D&D and Star Wars RPG. Natural 20, <laughs> sir. <laughs> well, that's that's another story of me playing D&D at basic training. Oh, my so. goodness. I love it. Well, I, I've told it before. The, yeah. lo- the long story short is, uh, you know, you have some downtime at uh, basic training. It's not all training all the time. And uh, I made paper dice. I made... Uh, a D four and a D six. A drill sergeant comes in in my wall locker, finds my D six, and says, "All right, who's playing craps?" And then uh, another drill, that same drill sergeant comes in. He he finds my D four and he gets it out, and he's never seen one before. And he's like, "What in the world is this?" And another drill sergeant comes by, and that drill sergeant sees the dice, and he's like, "Oh, I know what this is. Who's like, who's a level five dwarf wizard?" <laughs> you know, he just. He just starts. He just starts yelling that out there, and like you know, I'm all, I'm like five feet away. Like the, the drill sergeants know who it is. I'm just like, uh. so, so yes, I got yelled at at basic training for playing Dungeons and Dragons. That's beautiful. I love they it. probably still tell that story as well. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe. So, so I got a question for you guys. Go for it. Since we talked about Nat Twenty, and I'm gonna start with Bob. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite nat 20 you've rolled ever? So oh. when is that time when you've been like, I need this or just, I don't necessarily need it, but I'm going to roll it. Oh, I got a nat 20 and X happened. Okay, what so is your favorite this takes nat me 20? Back. Um, I was working at McDonald's at the time, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. It was Perkins. It was, you know, kind of like a, uh, and I hop almost, and I was and I was a bus boy. And uh, my buddy came over, and we were uh, playing a one-on-one session. And he was uh, he was running me through some preliminary stuff. I was learning how to play, and uh, I I came up against a goblin. I'm some kind of a fighter, and I come up against a goblin, right? And uh, he's like, "Okay, so you got this uh, goblin in front of you, and uh, what do you do?" I'm like, "Well, I I pull my uh, pull my sword out, and I uh, I attack him." He's like, "Okay." So I, I roll a one, drop my sword, and he's like, okay. Of course, the, the goblin hits me. He's like, okay, you're down to like one hit, but what do you do? I'm like, all I got is my money. So I, I throw my money at his head. Natural 20, knock him out with my money. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful. Uh, all right, Jack, what about you? Um, yeah, I was trying to think. Um, 
So my current, the current D&D game I'm involved with, Curse of Strahd, this was like several months ago, but I'm a rogue tiefling. Um, and we were sneaking into this house and I was getting, cause like one of our party had gotten in from one way and they were stuck. So I was sneaking upstairs to try to rescue them. And so I was sneaking up the, sk- the stairs and there was a guard sitting there and he hadn't seen me, but it was one of those things that when I finished coming up the stairs, cause I was, I was on the landing, I could see him. And it was like, as soon as I come up the stairs, he would see me. So it was one of those things I was like, okay, I want to, sn- I'm going to like dash, but I want to dash, grab him and knock him out with like my knife, you know, just like, just knock him out, knock him unconscious. And I, so it was like, okay, here we go. So, and my dice had been sucking the whole night. Like I was just <laughs> failing right and left. Like it sucked. Those are the worst nights. Yeah. But I rolled a nat 20 and I was like, yes. And so my <laughs> D, the DM was like, you go up the stairs, you grab him and you, and he is down out like a light. And I was like, yes. Awesome. I was was like, yes, I can still do it. Like, it was so satisfying to just take out that guard. Nice. So this this story I have, I don't remember what I was rolling for this because mainly I was getting natural 20s role playing against my boss. Mm -hmm. So... I, w- I was working at a board game store and my boss invited me over for his his D&D night with his buddies and his wife. And so I go there and I join mid-game and I join as a rogue. And I have this whole backstory where I'm affiliated with the mafia and all this stuff and they let me on their ship. And we get to port. They leave me alone with their ship. When the mafia comes up, I sell the ship to the local mafia. (laughs) Then I meet up with the rest of the players. And they're like, hey, we need to get to this certain place. Can you help us? We need to get to the slave quarters. I'm like, well, I can sell you into slavery. (laughs) So I sold my boss and his wife into slavery in the game. That's gonna. And that's I, hardcore. I sold the ship out from under them. What did they say? You're never coming to our game transpire. again. So I never got. I, I never got a chance to go back to the game again because of other stuff that happened. I don't remember why I didn't. Well, that was why. <laughs> I may have told you other stuff, but that's why. <laughs> They're like, we're looking around again. She'll sell everything we have, including our character's clothes. <laughs> I was like the best NPC for this game. <laughs> funny. That's funny. Austin, do you have any memorable? Uh, yeah, I've got one that really stands out. Um, okay, so I, I don't necessarily remember the exact mission objective, but I um, I had to get around basically like this uh, this female troll, basically. Uh, and I was a much smaller character. This was a much, much bigger, uh, you know, character. And and I, I didn't, I wasn't really a fighter, so I couldn't like just take this person on. And so, so I, I couldn't in my in my, you know, I'm a teenager. In my little boy mind, I could not figure out how to get around this person. So so I figured the best thing I could do is just actually talk to this person. And so so I so I go up to the troll, and and I decide. I decide I'm going to try flirting with the troll. 
and hey, and hey, and I and I rolled a natural twenty in flirting with this troll, and so the uh, the DM right then and there had the had the troll madly fall in love with me, and. And I'm tr- I'm supposed to be sneaking around, but now this troll won't leave me alone because she like bonded herself to me. She just she's enamored with me, and it, it gets to the point that I have to basically promise the troll that I'm gonna I'm, I, I will marry her as soon as I'm done with this. But you have to leave me alone because I got to sneak around, and so I end up I end up di- finally ditching the troll. But what was what was so funny is, uh, you know, I completed the mission. We finished the session. We come back the next session. The DM has that troll hunting for me because I promised <laughs> I promised the troll I was going to marry her. And I was doing everything I could to, to run away. And so so that that, that female troll like became a weird like nemesis of mine because she was madly in love with me. That's not different than a lot of divorce stories out there. Um, all right, so I'm going to tell you mine. I'm going to tell you my most memorable Nat 20. Okay. I was playing a uh, – I've since re-rolled this character into a 5e campaign, but I was fun. playing a uh, – second edition, I was playing a, uh, a chaotic neutral half-orc. He was a sailor, and we were doing all these things. And, and we had to infiltrate this orc – my stronghold they were held up in these caves and we got into like the back way and we were in this little like cavern area with like cells around the side and uh our our, our goal was to kill all these trolls to eliminate them right and he had this big two-handed sword and it was dark and dingy and i passed for one of them and uh this one troll held up this uh hostage um it was like a nine-year-old girl held up this hostage mm. in front of him around her neck he's like yeah look at this you want to cut her you want to cut her but i really wanted to kill him um, so the DM's like, you know, but that girl's there. And I was like, okay, well I'll stab him. And he goes, no, he's holding the girl in front of him. I was like, yeah, I'll go through her. Um, <laughs> and he goes, all right. And I was like, bam, nat 20. Oh, sushi. I mean, we just, I mean, not sushi, uh, uh, shish kebabs. Yeah. You know? It was just like, he was chaotic neutral and you know, oh. whatever. <laughs> and I just went right through both of them. Oh, and, so uh, funny. that was, uh. That was my Nat 20 memorable. I'm not saying that it's of high moral. Yeah. I'm just saying it's memorable. <laughs> I, I'm oh, just yeah. going to point out, we're kind of in the same club. I might be a little worse. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm vibing with you, Amanda. What, what, what I like about D&D, and I think we've we hit it on these stories, is that it... It really captures your imagination in ways that you would you wouldn't normally find in a, even a book or a story or a movie. Like it puts you in situations that you're like, uh, I got no idea how I got myself into this situation, and I don't know how I'm going to get myself out of it because that was not what I was expecting. And it's just it's a fun mental exercise in creativity, and it's also a good social activity because oh, I still sure. have friends to this day that I played D and D with 25 years yeah. ago that um that i'm in contact with and it's 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 not you know it's just builds good strong social connections as well yeah yeah indeed so um before we wrap up i do want to play what is the final trailer for the D &D movie and i'm you know some of the first reviews have started coming out people starting to see it and they're saying it's a it's it's a better movie it's a it's a pretty decent movie it's a fun movie to go to and so we've got the final trailer. Let's take a listen to it, and then we'll talk uh, some D&D movie expectations before we wrap up. Here we go. Here is the – that's not The it. game of Dungeons & Dragons. We already and did that one. Let's listen <laughs> to this one. Here we go. 
Good evening. Forget everything you think you know. What? Everyone is raving about Dungeons and Dragons. It's the kind of epic fun you've been waiting for. Protect it with your very life. I will. Hold this. None of us can say our lives gone the way we'd hoped. I did think you'd serve longer. We got an early release. Good behavior. Yeah, bathing good. It charms its way into your heart. Oh, God, I can kiss you. Try it. The most Chris Pine, a Chris Pine performance has been in a long time. Just because that sentence is symmetrical doesn't make it not nonsense. A crowd pleaser that actually pleases. It's a gift for every one of you. All right, take me down. This is absurdly high. It's not what we discussed. It's the best movie of the year. Anything you want to add? I'm good. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, only in theaters, March 31st. So, Brady, why don't you share what you just uh, put in the chat there? That's pretty cool. Yeah, some of the folks from uh, my oldest son's crew, uh, scouting crew, um, rented a theater for next Sunday. So it's they can have up to 20 people, and they're all going to be in some of the folks from my campaign that I'm playing in and the, the crew. Uh, they rented the theater, so it's 20 people getting the theater all to themselves to watch the D&D movie Dang. next weekend. Um, they only had two spots left. And I wasn't going to take that opportunity from my son, so I'm going to let them go do that with their friends and, and everybody. But if there's an open spot, I'm uh, I'm in queue to fill <laughs> that. So I'm uh, I'm excited about it. But it's uh, if I go see that showing, um, I will have about it's about 30 minutes from here, and I'll have about an hour from the end of the movie to the start of us recording next Sunday. So, oh, so I might cool. I might see it a little bit earlier. But yeah, I think that's kind of cool. They're gonna they're gonna have the theater all to themselves. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I uh, there is a theater out here that's doing a uh, like a special fan screening, and they're giving you this awesome D and D poster, and then a uh, cloth map of Faerun, which is the uh, uh, Forgotten Realms world that most D and D campaigns are made in these days. And uh, and I really want that actually. And it and I really want it. Um, uh, <laughs> so we will see. If we go to that or not, but uh, yeah, this movie looks good. Honestly, I hope it. I hope it does turn into a fun D and D franchise, film wise, because the first films that came out in the the late nineties, early two thousands were just abysmal trash. Don't, like they're like we're talking nineteen ninety three Mario Brothers level. Sorry, Amanda. <laughs> no, no, no offense taken. Yeah. I'm well aware. I am well aware yeah, of the yeah. failings of the so, Super Mario Brothers. If this movie's a B plus, it's a win. Yes, I just want it to be fun. You know, the, the stories we shared, the craziness, like I want to see that in a film and that 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 makes a fun I, D&D film. I really hope they have put in like just the little simple dialogue of like Nat 20, Nat 1. Like that's just what I want. <laughs> There's some character to be like, ooh, Nat 1, you know, like or something <laughs> like that. So far, what I've loved about the trailers is the character interactions and how they seem yeah. very, very like character interactions I would have in a game. Yeah. That's table mm-hmm. talk. That is yes. table talk. Yes. I can't Speaking watch through. you die, so I'm going to be out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Fun stuff. Fun stuff. All right. Uh, final thoughts on anything D&D going, going around the room. Anybody? I would have never thought I would get into D&D. 
never. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that I, like, social media has learned how much I like D&D, and they keep throwing D&D dice for sale at me, and I'm just like, <laughs> like there's a koi fish one that I really want to get, but I'm like, nope, Aww. I bought a giant Lego set, no no D&D dice for a while. Yeah, I, I don't have any final thoughts unless you've got about another four or five hours to record. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can talk D&D for a while. Well, let's talk maybe off off uh, the mic about of us eventually playing D and D that, that will be fun. I think we mm-hmm. have to at least do it once. I want to do it. Let's do it at least once. Let's see if it works. And then we'll determine if we want to do more than one uh, adventure on the podcast. So, so we'll do it when we do it. So, all right. And going around the room, final thoughts, anything? No. All right. Well, folks, Thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast, YouTube, or wherever else you find us. Next week, we are talking the D&D movies. So make sure to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on the movie at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast. You can also email us some thoughts at supernerdpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, search supernerdpodcast. Give us a like, give us a share. But from all of us at supernerdpodcast, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. Catch you later. Bye.